What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, November 21st, 2021, and this week's episode, Bantamweights takes center stage. We'll recap the women's Bantamweight action at UFC Vegas 43 last night. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, some exhibition grappling going on with some of the biggest names in the sport, And we'll look ahead to next week's events, since this week it is a holiday break for Thanksgiving. We'll talk about Sergio Pettis versus Kyoji Horiguchi for the title unification in Bellator. And the high-stakes bantamweight fight between Rob Font and former champion Jose Aldo coming up, like I said, next Saturday. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Oh boy, it's a... It's getting close to December 11th, which I'm pretty excited about. I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but that's where my brain is. My brain is on Thanksgiving first, of course, and then December 11th. But I know we have some other good fights to talk about before that. I mean, we've got a lot of it. I almost named it Bantamweight Bedlam, but I, then I remembered I'm 90% sure I've named like two episodes, yeah. three Bantamweight three. Bedlam. So three, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, we need to... It can't be Bantamweight. Even though it is Bantamweight Bedlam, it cannot be, once again, well, Bantamweight Bedlam. Uh, the last time was Bantamweight Bonanza. Bantam- so welcome to use that. Okay, we'll change it. <laughs> L- ladies and gentlemen, this week's episode, Bantamweight Bonanza. That's what it'll be on <laughs> Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Okay. Um, let's talk about the women's Bantamweights. So last night, by the way, we'll talk about... I know people had some thoughts on the card as a whole. We'll we'll mention that. But um, the main event, Ketlin Vieira against Misha Tate. I'll be honest, and, and I'm going to just say it like it is. I know Misha's your favorite fighter. I almost... I think part of that was really what got me not to say Ketlin Vieira wins last <laughs> week. Because oh, as I'm breaking it down, I'm like, oh, she's bigger. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and she's kind of good striking, too. And oh, yeah, she's not a slouch on the ground. And then I'm like, and Misha's going to. What's Misha going to do again against all that? Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to say, uh, so first of all, I, I think a lot of people are have been quick to say, well, Misha, you know, they were overhyping her. They were trying to build on that. And there is a bit of a promotional aspect. I thought Misha fought great. I thought Misha's shot selection was very good. I think she looked in fantastic shape. I appreciated the sense of urgency as the fight went on to try to make something happen. I admired her resiliency because she was taking some heavy shots. Her face was wearing the damage and she was still getting after it. I think she showed she wasn't she wasn't there to quit. She was there to fight and I appreciated all of that. I think what it really came down to the size and the technical striking of Ketlin really got the job done. Uh, Misha struggled to get in range. Ketlin did a great job of keeping her on the outside, making Misha eat a lot of those counter right hands. DC brought it up. The uppercut left hook was there for her a bunch of times last night. And Misha, you know, I think at the end of the day, she had that tough mountain and because she wasn't able to get her striking going, a lot of those takedown attempts were telegraphed. Ketlin, very prepared for it, stuffed all of them. Really, Misha never really got close to getting Ketlin on her back. And across the 25-minute fight, it was really a lot of lather, rinse, repeat. 
Ketlin had an answer every time Misha tried to get going. Misha did land some big shots, and that goes to her shot selection. But the fact is, it never did. It never had the kind of impact that Ketlin's shots did, and that's what won her the fight. What were your thoughts? Oh, very similar. You know, Ketlin walked out of the fight looking just about as good as she did walking in. Uh, Misha didn't, as you mentioned. Her face was very, very red, swelling. The nose was was gushing by the end of it, and um, still, it was good to see her back. She was in great shape. She's still performing, you know, against Marion Renault and against Kent Vera better than she ever has in her previous run in, in MMA or the UFC. You know, because she's refined her striking, she doesn't do that sort of old school winging, charging forward thing anymore. Yeah, she landed a couple of great oh, right hands. You could tell she she put a lot of power in them. They just had zero effect on Kellen Vieira. A couple of good head kicks, too, which, you know, when's the last time you recall seeing some really nicely performed uh, kicks from Mish Tate? But those were the best moments of the fight for her, the, those punches and those kicks. She threw a couple of leg kicks really slow and weak, and she paid for them every time. Uh, she did fine, but she's just, you know, wasn't good enough to make a dent in the, the train, the Ketlin Viero train that was charging at her. But I should take that back because it, it really wasn't charging. That was part of maybe my frustration watching the fight is that Ketlin Viera, I felt, could have finished Misha Tate in round one. She was, you know, worried about the takedown, I guess, of Misha Tate. But, like, come on, man. You're bigger. You're stronger. You're faster. You have more power. I think if she wanted to push it and corner Misha, she could have finished it. Because every time she landed something, it wobbled Misha's head. It left a big red mark. And so at the end of the fight, I'm walking away thinking, okay, Misha Tate, you know, you couldn't beat Kellen Vieira. So what does this mean for your second run here in the UFC? Who's next? You know, you couldn't beat Ketlin Vieira, so I I still stand by. You probably can't beat Amanda Nunes. But then for Ketlin Vieira, who got a big win against a big name, where's your killer instinct? That that was my big question at the end. It seemed like she had a lot of respect for Misha, and maybe that's why she couldn't just go in there and crush her. But to me, she has all the tools to do it. She had the tools to do it last night, and I think she should have done it just for her the sake of her own career. Um, because it's a fine win, but it's not a great win. If if that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that uh, she, I think they brought it up. She just seemed to be content to counter strike, right? Yeah. I think they yeah. brought in Dean Thomas, and he said as much as like, you know, I, I don't think she realizes that if she wants it, she's probably got it there. She really wants yeah. to be the aggressor. Um, you know, I think that's something. Uh, here's what I'll say. That's a correctable thing for her sure sure like you could go to the gym i think when she watches that back she'll probably see a lot of things that you're saying and what probably the coaches and all that is like you know and and look maybe look she's a bigger bantam weight i know she has a tough cut to make 135 maybe a bit of the conserving the energy maybe that might have been a part of it but I will say it was kind of like it wasn't exciting television but it also felt like if it's not broke don't fix it Mm-hmm. She was by and large winning a lot of those rounds. Um, I don't know. There's a lot to go into that. Only she knows. But I do think that there's a lot to take away from a good win. And I think that if you're Ketlin, that's a good position for her. Um, 
Pro yeah, so the easiest one, uh, let's start with Ketlin. Going forward, I think the big winner out of last night was actually Irene Aldana. Because you'll remember, I believe it was December 2019, Irene got the first round knockout on Ketlin Vieira. And obviously Irene was coming off the big victory over Yana Kunitskaya. I believe that was a first or second round stoppage too, really dominant for Irene. Irena was going to fight Jermaine Durandamy in November um, on the MSG card. I realize we're still in November, sorry. But she was going to fight her on the MSG card before I believe Jermaine got hurt, I want to say it happened. Um, all that to say is that Irena Aldana is the next woman up for Amanda Nunes. If, if and I know that's a lot of people, it's more like when... Amanda right. beats Juliana Pena. And so I think that really for Ketlin, I mean, they could do a rematch with Irene, but I almost feel like that's kind of like doing Marina and Carla Esparza when Carla got the win. It's like, uh, we could do that, but I, I think people want something new despite the champion at, the, at this time. So I think for Ketlin, I wouldn't mind seeing her fight Jermaine Durandamy. I don't know how married the UFC is to seeing Holly Holm at featherweight and rebooking the Norma Dumont fight. But if not that, then I wouldn't mind Ketlin versus Holly. And yeah, th let's be honest, there's the big elephant in the room. Um, if Kayla Harrison does sign, what does that mean for Amanda at Bantamweight? Most people think she'll stay. If she doesn't, then... Could she kind of try to do another featherweight fight? Maybe Norma and they just... You know, round and round it goes, right? Mm -hmm. But I, in my opinion, I think they'll do Ketlin versus Jermaine uh, or Ketlin versus Holly next. What about you? Ketlin versus Jermaine makes sense. Ketlin versus Holly. I mean, you can't argue with those. But again, it's this division is so funny that, you know, if you if you just stick around long enough, you'll get a bunch of title shots or close to a title shot. Um, you just have to win, you know, one or two fights and boom, you're back on top. Yeah, Kellen Vieira, that's the thing, man. It's like the, the way the division is, if you don't have a big enough name or a big enough performance, you're not going to get as much attention. And so then what happens is it becomes Amanda Nunes' call. If she wants to fight again at 135 and they need somebody new for her, okay, then maybe Kellen Vieira gets a shot. But if Amanda Nunes doesn't want to fight again or wants to go to 145, then... You know, people who haven't had a title shot yet, like Kellen Vieira, are just going to have to keep waiting and either decide to fight another big name or, you know, just sit on their haunches. So it's just weird, man. I, I wish that um, the UFC, and maybe if Kayla Harrison comes to, to 145 at the UFC, maybe they will force Nunes to relinquish her belt there because you got to get these divisions going with, with meaningful action. And it's... You know, the UFC doesn't want to rock the Nunes boat, so they're being very um, careful to just say, oh, sure, whatever you need, whatever you want. And But that's just kind of created a little bit of a stalemate where people that are good should get a chance to just, you know, fight it out for the belt at either division. Well, four, 45 is, is even trickier, but still, you know, let them just fight for a belt if Nunes is not willing or not interested in defending. Now, okay, I know she's got Juliana Pena coming up, but 
I mention all this because once she fights her and probably does beat her, then what? You know, then everyone on both divisions is kind of looking around like, okay, are we going to get a shot or do we have to keep waiting? Well, to be honest, I feel like they tried to do that. And I think that UFC, I mean, UFC kind of went, you know, like I'm all in with their chips on Misha Tate. And let's be honest, I, I looked at it. I think that she's kind of neck and neck with Holly Holm with like over 2 million Instagram followers. Yeah. Misha Tate was seen as the, even though she, you know, has been here already, the breath of fresh air, right? Because yeah. I think that the UFC saw it as, okay, you know, you've got a very, let's be honest, Holly kind of tends to just do her thing, show up and fight. And I know she's been dealing with injuries. She's been more inactive than active in the last two years or so. I think they saw Misha as like, Misha's kind of like, all. look, she's got her show. She's so active. She's kind of out there. And you can either build a rematch for Amanda, which sells probably better than, let's be honest, Ketlin or Irene versus Amanda. At this point, just on the name value, you know, Zhongwei Li, Rose Namajunas, we've been here. Mm-hmm. Or someone beats Misha and that's the quote unquote put them over, you know, that's their big signature win to build for a title fight. Now, look, the fact is, I don't think that that fight for Ketlin, and this is to your point, made people suddenly oh man you she you see how she fought misha i think she's ready for amanda nunez yeah i'll say that it didn't quite accomplish that job right but there's a lot of positives to take from it um i think for misha i think it's just like look you know uh, look yana kunitskaya is out there maybe aspen lad comes back to 135 you don't know um you could do a lot of stuff down there. Macy Chasson. Um, anything. Jermaine Durandamy. If they go a different direction with uh, Irena and Ketlin. I mean, there's a lot of options there. But um, I think to me for Ketlin is just, you know, be ready. And probably understand you really got to show up and show out on the next one. Because that's most likely going to be a title eliminator. And if you're Ketlin... This is kind of your shot to get it in the near future. Because if they... Uh, you kind of see it. They don't want to burn a contender. And you notice they're yeah. not funneling people through Jermaine and Holly. Mm-hmm. They tried that with Irene and put her over. But now I think that they're just going to try to get someone new. And don't let them run into Jermaine and Holly if you can help it. Right. But I think Ketlin's going to get Jermaine. Just because you already have Irene for amanda and obviously if juliana wins they could forget about it because immediate rematch you know of course in zero seconds keep waiting yeah yeah (laughs) but anyway a lot to keep an eye on like i said uh i'm sure first half of the year we'll get something big for ketlin and go from there um obviously uh i'll be interested i wonder if they'll have irene be back up for juliana in about a couple weeks or amanda you never know but um I do think that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, talking about the card. Um, yeah, I, I completely get it because we've had three or four weeks with a fight of the year candidate each mm-hmm. night. And Saturday night saw, I believe they had about 12 or 13 fights. And 12 of them went to decision. There was only yeah. one finish. That's tough. 
<laughs> and I'll say I'll just say this. I it's very rare, but I think a lot of viewers, thank goodness, this this started earlier. They started it like two or three hours earlier, so it wouldn't go head to head with Crawford and Porter, and pay per view. So I was mm. like, guys, they can't all be bananas, okay? You know, like there's a card every Saturday. The fact is, every now and then, it's they're just not gonna be popping. Yeah, that's true. Every uh, yeah, like the cards don't like literally the the MMA cards and the you know the metaphysical cards don't always align. Um, for every fight to be just you know finish, 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 or at least a nice mix. It, sometimes it sucks when you get all the finishes in a row because then you know the, the produce the production still has to stretch stuff out. That can be almost just frustrating as you know going the distance, going the distance over and over again. You want a nice mix somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and we've been blessed with some really great fights. You mentioned that. So come on, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, that's coming up. There's good cards. Sometimes you just got to say, oh, well, and and throw it to the wind. Like that happens, man. That's that's fighting. I mean, I saw one of the other websites say like the literally the title of their video was this the worst card of the year? And I'm yeah. like, oh, come on. Bro. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> just that's just mean. <laughs> like, you know what? Um, Tyler Santos got because she got the only finish. I think it stood out more, but beats Joanne Wood previously Jojo Calderwood, obviously. Um you know what? I, I got to say this. I know this is getting ahead of ourselves, but in this time of the flyweight division, I you know what? Keep an eye out. I feel like Tyler that she she's done everything to get on that fast track, you know, and depending on how active Valentina is, maybe we could start talking about her in the conversation probably about this time next year. Absolutely. She has a uh, great physique, speed, power. Um, okay, before I go into that, though, why did Jojo Calderwood become Joanne Wood? Is because there... uh, she married her husband, whose name is John Wood. Oh, okay. Which is the awkwardness of, uh, you know, right, you went from I being see. Calderwood to just the wood. And, yeah. and she didn't want to be Jojo Wood. Like... Well, she is technically Jojo Wood, but, okay. you know, <laughs> it doesn't sound as... It just doesn't sound as clean, does it? No, it doesn't. Joanne Wood sounds like an old 50s, you know, Hollywood actress. So that's a, that's a classy name there. But then Jojo Wood is just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm so used to saying Jojo Calderwood, you yeah, know? Yeah, that doesn't flow, right? It doesn't but, flow. Okay. Exactly. Congratulations, yeah, Jojo. Yes, of course. Congratulations. It's a very happy day. Nice new name, too. Uh, yeah, Tyler Santos just, just buzzsawed through, through Jojo. Um, you know, she was hitting her with a couple of shots that really hurt her. And you're like, okay, how many more of these can Jojo take? Well, not that much, not too many more after that. So I think you're right, especially because of how 125 works with Valentina Shevchenko being the Terminator. Um, you have a good show against anyone, period. You're, you're in the talks to have a shot at Valentina. Yeah, we get, a sh you have a great win against someone who has a name who almost fought Valentina in, in Jojo. I mean, it's it's a basically a guarantee. So she'll be there very soon. I think that it'll be a Santos versus the winner of Chukagian, Jennifer Maya. And okay. then if you're Chukagian, obviously you've been trying to get back to the title shot. 
you do that, you know, look, I know how the first one went, but the fact is you put in the work, it's your shot. And then if you're Santos, obviously you're a breath of fresh air in that conversation and you've beaten key people to get there. So there you go. Yeah. And remember, yeah. Tyler took that fight on one week notice. Oh, wow. Remember, she filled in uh, for, no, I want to say it was on one week notice, but she, I think Alexa Grasso fell out and then someone else fell out. But I want to say Santos got it on sh- really short notice. Okay. So all the more impressive, right? Yeah, so, definitely. There you go. Anyway, so like I said, it was one of those nights in the UFC, but we, I don't know, maybe Dana asked John Jones a favor. And said, can you make some news? We're having one of those nights. During the broadcast, John Jones tweets out he's going to have a... Ex- it's a grappling match. I don't know. I, I didn't write it down. Is it necessarily wrestling specific or is it just grappling? But the yeah. fact is, professional grappling. And it's going to be against none other than Jack Swagger himself, Mr. Jake Hager of Bellator and AEW. What were your thoughts on that? so weird that was my first thought it's like yes <laughs> and you know what's funny is that like the mma fighting and mma junkie you know how they post on social media like every time there's a new matchup they have like that you know 50 50 photo yes, yes. Uh-huh. and then it's like you know john jones back in action and then it's like oh wait what huh and then it's like oh it's not it's not the thing we actually want him to come back for okay yeah anyway go ahead yeah weird random uh, like, you know, I guess that's what happens when you're in these these deals with the UFC where you can't, or any promotion really for MMA, where you can't, if you can't make a deal to come, if you can't come to the table, then you kind of just got to go find some grappling thing elsewhere. And John Jones, for whatever reason, wants to grapple with Jake Hager. Okay. But who benefits from this? Like, John Jones beating Jake Hager in anything, even in wrestling or grappling or whatever, isn't going to be a big boon to him. And, of course, if Jake Hager wins, that's amazing. Um, very, very strange. We'll, I'll toss it back to you, man, because that's, that's all I can think about is how weird is this? No, I completely agree with you. I was like, well, that's... I, I mean, like, a, what's a good way to put it? I know he's got that weird thing going on with Chel Sonnen. Like, it seemed like after they fought, they were cool for a bit. And then suddenly John and Chael... John just publicly dislikes Chael. Mm. So I think that explains why he's doing this as opposed to just being the next celebrity guest at Submission Underground. Yeah. So I think that's that part of it. Okay. In terms of... uh, the whole Jake Hager matchup. Okay, so I guess I'll say this. If I think about it honestly, who on paper probably feels like an easy opponent with the biggest name for the most money? Because AEW is the biggest pro wrestling thing that's not WWE in the United States right now, right? Yeah, and yeah then that's he's... the angle I wasn't thinking about is how big Jake Hager is. In the wrestling world. So, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That, that's my only thing is I could come up with. It's like, well, that you're really... I mean, I guess if you really want to do something and it's not Submission Underground, that makes sense. Um, 
to my knowledge, they don't let the UFC guys do combat jiu-jitsu because it looks too much like MMA. Okay. That's why you always see LFA and other people do the EBI combat jiu-jitsu stuff. You rarely see the UFC guys because they're like, yeah, that's like giving an MMA fight without making the money on it. So Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the only thing I think of. Um, Jake Hager did say that it's not set in stone. He hasn't signed paperwork. It would be on December 9th, is what I read. Um, I think it happens. I think Jake wants to get paid. And I think John, if he's motivated to do something, we know that, you know, things will get done. So I think that's the only thing about it is he, he really gets pen to paper. People will get things in gear and we'll see the poster by Monday. So... That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, so so Jake Hager's like I'm looking at at our, um, you know, you you've mentioned that he hasn't said yes, he's in yet, or he said that he hasn't signed paperwork, he doesn't have a deal, and okay. that John was talking like they like they're already set to go or something. Well, I mean that that sounds know, like something John would do. It's a very, that's like UFC matchmaking every now and then. They announce it and it's like, you know. Yeah, someone comes out and says, I haven't signed it's anything. It's like, wait yet. a minute, we're still trying to get our, you know, couple thousand bucks extra. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, negotiating. It's always, uh, this is why you have people. Yeah. So people could say like, that wasn't me, that was my manager. Who doesn't exactly. have a profile picture on Google. So <laughs> that's why we do it. Um, anyway. Talking about, you know, exhibition grappling. Hamza Chemaev against Jack Hermanson. And just gave him the business in their home country of Sweden. Um, I sent you the clip. And I yeah, sent you I saw the highlights. Yeah. What you think? You know, bro, my first thought was, this looks like so, like... <laughs> Just go for like it. Like cheap, like <laughs> just like they're like wearing. It looks like they're just wearing their underwear, and they just found a cage, uh, like an old cage, and they're like, let's let's wrestle in this cage. And you know, I know wrestling can be exciting, but sometimes you know you're just rubbing heads against each other, and so <laughs> there's a lot of head rubbing. Um, another, you know, hey, okay, that must have been fun. You know, competition, all that good stuff. Okay. Um, and you know, comes out of course another another uh, notch on the belt of uh, you know impressive cage time. Uh, but yeah, man, my, my, I'm like the you know my head's like a little kid sometimes, and so I'm just like, why are they dressed like that? It looks like they just like woke up and then we're like, let's wrestle in a cage. So anyway, I'm being silly. <laughs> so uh, I want to put this one in bigger context. First off, how the heck does Hamza make 170? I mean, Jack, look, you've seen Jack Hermanson. He's not yeah. like, he's not like Marvin Vittori, but he's not like a, oh, undersized middleweight. And freaking Hamzad is, looked huge. And I'm like, the heck does this dude, like, does he give his soul away every time he makes 170 or something? Dang. <laughs> um, uh, so in great, okay, look, uh, Hamzad handled business and, you know, if they ever fight, I think that would be very interesting. Like, how important is it to have hands and feet available when you're such a good grappler? But, um, 
I looked at it and I'm like, Natalie, we've had the Jake Paul thing happen. We've had the Darina Mudziuk fight the 500-pound guy. Yeah, yeah. We have the, I don't know if you saw this, the triad combat from Triller. It's like hybrid boxing rules in a triangle. It's not a ring. It's not a cage. It's not oh, a square. Yeah. It's oh, not I a circle. That. It's a triangle <laughs> with Frank Mir taking on Kubrat Puliv, who fought Anthony Joshua. Um, he was like Joshua's last fight before Usyk. And it's like, and Matt Mitrione is fighting a boxer. And I believe, is it Emmanuel Sanchez? I believe is on there. Uh, Mike Perry's on there. And it's like, honestly, we are in a time where even though there's like a mainstream, like, okay, you have UFC and then you have like the big players in boxing. And then the market is so big. And there's so many avenues for these guys to make money. You could do the submission underground. You could do Triller, apparently. Um, And it's like, you know what? It's just like everyone wants a piece of the pie. And if you got money, you could get these big names on there. So, yeah, I was like, well, this is just random on a Saturday, Friday morning. And I'm like... Yeah, but it's like, is it more random than a YouTuber beating a former Bellator one and a UFC champion in one year? I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting times. <laughs> yes, it's but it's like everyone wants a piece of the pie. And if they're paying for it, I mean, I'm not against guys making money. So do your thing. But I was like, well, you know, today in weird things in MMA. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the good stuff though. Okay. So uh like I said, Bantamweight Bonanza. And so Bellator actually will be up first. Very interesting with this, by the way. So um Sergio Pettis, uh obviously who won the title earlier this year against Juan Archuleta, defending the title for the first time, and he's taken on former Bellator and current Ryzen Bantamweight champion. So as I read it and understand it, remember Bellator and Scott Coker have a great relationship with the people over at Ryzen. So they said even though Horiguchi is technically a Bellator fighter now, because they have a good relationship, they said Kyoji is still Ryzen champion. When he goes back, he is the defending Ryzen champion, defending the title. But he's with Bellator right now. And the Ryzen title, it's kind of like when they did the crossover. It's like... I think if Pettis wins it, eventually Pettis has to go over there and defend it, stuff like that. So it's a very interesting dynamic. But what you have is two of the more, uh, two of the more well accomplished bantamweights, not in the UFC, and that makes it interesting. So let's get into it. I mean, first off, with Pettis, I think he's really grown into his own, his shot selection his ability to use his reach and his footwork. And, uh, you know, he's just very good at getting in and out. And I think that we saw against Archuleta, um, you know, for a guy who was a flyweight before, he's really grown into his bantamweight frame. He's been up there a while, won a you know, couple fights, put on the weight, and very versatile. Kyoji Horiguchi, a lot of experience behind him. Great hands, great explosiveness, good on the ground when he chooses to go there. 
this is a very interesting fight. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you. That that breaks it down pretty nicely. Uh, I just really love the what Bellator and Ryzen does, how cooperative and friendly and generous they are with each other. It's, you know, the the big wish we've, we've always had and always will continue to have for UFC with Bellator or UFC with anybody. You know, let's, like, go head-to-head. Let's see who's top dog, and let's just be cool about it. Let's be good sportsmen about it. Uh, you know, that day will never come. Uh, but it's nice to think about every once in a while when Bellator does this with Ryzen, I think, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if? So, yeah, and Sergio Perez is, I'm, I'm very, like, you know, for not knowing someone, I'm happy, proud of him and for him. And probably Anthony Pettis, too. I mean, you know, they work together all the time. Like, this is a great moment for Sergio Pettis to be the Bellator champion, to be fighting Kyoji Horiguchi, who also is, you know, had a resurgence after his time in the UFC. So this is really, um, you know, an, a, a great boon to like just growing the sport and reminding us about like martial arts, you know, and, and just being really good, strong, fair competitors. So that's my angle, my perspective for this fight is is what makes me think of, you know. Let's be like a, not necessarily like blood sport, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but coming around, uh, everybody coming around from different parts of the world to just see like who's best, and it doesn't matter, what, you know, what what team we're on, what, what promotion we're from. Like, let's just see. That's what I love. Yeah, I think that that's very fair. I think that this is, um, I think it just creates for more of a dynamic. And I'll say this: I really wish they could make some happen with one championship. I think yeah. that um. You know, Demetrius, Adriano, Christian Lee, Angela Lee. I think there could be a lot of great fights there. But, um, yeah, I think that this is just a sign. I mean, if you're not worried about a pay-per-view model, there's a lot of fun to be had for a lot of the companies. And, you know, I remember Scott Coker talked about it and he said that uh, one thing with PFL is that because of the television rights... He said, it's not just about, hey, you got a fighter, you got a fighter, let's pick one of our cages and let's just do it. They said the TV rights are really the big thing because it's like, okay, when you do that, who gets to broadcast it? Uh. And, you know, because of the way it works and Showtime and ESPN and that's when things get, you know, that's why it doesn't all get done. But, um, yeah, uh, back to the fight. Oh, boy. You know what, I I think the thing about it is just the, kind of like what we saw on Saturday, last night, the reach and the speed on Pettis, I think that's going to be a real key factor. I think that he has all the attributes to get in and out and use his length to cause problems, but when I think about Kyoji, I think his ability and his, just where he's most dangerous in the early rounds with those heavy hands... I think that's going to be the real key. I think that Pettis is going to have to survive the fire early and then starts really turning into his fight. I think that if you're Kyoji, you just want to stay in his face, maybe get on top of him, maybe force him to work some of his jiu-jitsu off of his back. But it really depends on just how good Pettis is when he's got that kind of firepower coming back at him. Because I think that's going to be the key is if he can't keep up with the damage and the power coming back, that's a longer night for Sergio Pettis, but if he can, I think he's got all the technical prowess to 
pretty much route uh, Kyoji if he needs to. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go uh, Pettis for unanimous decision. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the other side there. Um, I think Kyoji's going to get it done. Yeah, the the power um, and and then being able to hold him down on the ground, I think he's going to be able to have success there. And so just over time, uh, using his hands, using his ground game, I think he's going to be able to secure the unanimous decision. So... It's not going to be a, a no one's going to no one's going to blow anyone out of the out of the cage, but but uh, yeah, I see a unanimous decision as well for the other for the other side for Ryzen. Okay, so so yeah, for Ryzen, so so Hyoji Horiguchi gets to defend his Ryzen title successfully, and Sergio Pettis stays Bellator champion, right? That's what would happen. No, so Kyoji becomes a. Remember, he won it before, so he essentially yes, holds right. okay. both belts again. Again, okay. I know it's a very lot. confusing, but wonderful. Like I said before, and okay, te- so that's what that's where I'm going then. And technically speaking, I guess Pettis doesn't get Kyoji's Ryzen belt, even though he technically should. I guess you can only take the Ryzen belt when you fight them in Ryzen. Which is, come on now, <laughs> you know. That's but um, really funny. I know it's oh boys and their toys. You know <laughs> that's what we are. Anyway, all right. Let's talk about UFC. Uh, Rob Font taking on Jose Aldo. Interesting because before Pettis went on this run, his last loss, I believe. Rob Font, and look how Rob is doing right now. So. Yeah. Very, um, you know, the schedule can be funny that way when you look at how these guys are doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think Rob, the way some Fernando Pratish uh, fan bite said this really well when we broke it down, I believe the week that uh, you were out following Cody versus Rob, said probably it already made my mind up about Rob Font's ceiling, and instead. You know, he's kind of just had this really refreshing kind of turn, kind of like um, Glover Tashira and guys like that just suddenly putting it together. I'm not saying it's going to go as far just yet, but I think that he's just performing really well. And you look at the wins he's got, Sergio Pettis, Marlon Moraes, Cody, you know, it's like, okay, you know, like you got to give him his due. He's fought the fights and he's gotten the wins. In good fashion, might I add. Then you've got Jose Aldo. And I don't think there's a better one than when you said it's like, for as everything he's done, he gets out there and it's like he's on those limitless pills. Just Mm -hmm. somehow he still finds a way to perform like he's 25 years old against guys who are probably closer to 25 than he is. It's just ridiculous. And you know what he brings. You know who he is. Let's talk about it. Can Rob Font overcome all that to get to the title or to get to that title eliminator type of fight? Yeah, man, this is funny because I was looking at uh, Rob's record earlier and it's like, holy moly, like you, your last four wins are against real names and your last two wins, Marlon Marais, Cody Garbrandt, like that's a big deal. But now you're going to face Jose Aldo and Jose Aldo is doing this aging backwards thing where you know he's younger he's not yet <laughs> he's faster uh and well, maybe not stronger but he's faster than he has been he's more ferocious but what you see with jose aldo is 
the best of him at his age at 135 is in round one, right? And then it starts to diminish just a little bit. You know, okay, that happens to everybody. But what Aldo really does really well now is round one. So I think that's going to be an opportunity for Aldo to make the most uh, impact that he can against Rob Font, who I think has more power at 135 than Jose Aldo does. Uh, but, you know, he's not as slick. I mean, he is. He's, but I still think of Jose Aldo as being slicker and faster, but Rob Font's got the hands. That, that can hurt you more. Uh, so if I'm Jose Aldo, I want to do as much as I can in round one and then, you know, just try to win by, not by decision, that's not Jose Aldo's style, but just continue the pressure without gassing out. You know, continue the pressure so you can last all five rounds. Rob Font, that's a that's a tough one for me because he's defeated these great names. But I think that it's like, what do you do against Jose Aldo that is going to make sure you can, like, stay the course through the end? Because I feel like Jose Aldo is, is tricky, even though, like I said, he's his best at right now at round one. But, like, the way he's fighting is just like you just never know when he's going to do a, a, a blitz, a speed blitz, and hit you with a bunch of crazy combinations. So I'm Rob Font, and round one, I'm keeping my distance. I'm really testing the waters. I'm not getting in there right away because I want to see what kind of Jose Aldo I'm going to be facing. And uh, all that is to say that I think we're going to be in for a pretty good fight, maybe a little bit of a barn burner. But I'll, I'll toss it back to you before I make my pick. Yeah, I think that you broke it down a lot. I think to me, um, when I think about this fight, and this is probably unfair to Font, and if it is, I apologize, but I actually feel like it's kind of like Pedro Munoz taking on Jose. Um, similar, you know, you know what attributes Rob has. You know, they're respectable. You know, they're he's tough. You know, he's experienced. You know, he's been in there with good guys. And then you talk about a talent like Jose Aldo and it's like all of those things like is the sum of your parts bringing enough to take on a guy who's performing the way Jose Aldo is. Yeah. That's the tough one for me. Um, I think that Rob, uh, you broke it down pretty well. I loved his shot selection in the uh, Cody fight. I think he showed a lot of patience. I think that um, he did a good job stifling Cody. When uh, they went to the ground and not taking damage. I think all of that works. I think to me it's all about the speed. I think that if Jose is getting in and getting out effectively early. He's going to be hanging on to that lead as it goes late. And suddenly that's he's such a technician and he's so athletically gifted. That really that's only that's why guys like Volkanovski and Max. It's taking a special thing to stop them right because. You almost have to meet him with your own train of force. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it'll get off the track a little bit. But without some of those other attributes, you know, you're up in there with the guy who's faster and a guy who doesn't leave many openings. Now, look, you brought it up. He kind of tends to put on the gas early, gets, uh, you know, starts to taper off as the fight goes a little later. Um, The thing about that, though, is... I feel like if Rob Fawn is in that kind of hole going into the fourth round, most likely Jose Aldo has not had to expend as much energy. 
Like, for example, the fight with Peter Jan. I felt like Peter was really taking it back to him. I think if Jose Aldo's ahead, it's probably because he's been in more control. He's probably going to be in better condition. He's not going to be as tired. I think Rob Fawn is going to have to take risks early. I think he needs to do a lot of the things that are easy to say, hard to do. Mix it up with the takedowns. Throw some of your own kicks. Um, I think most importantly, do not stand there for Jose Aldo to start ripping with the hands. Because uh-huh. I think that that's what happens is you kind of want to try to stand and bang with him. And that's when Jose, because he's so ready and he's so good at boxing and he's so fast, that's where he starts to really get away from it and do that damage. So stay on the bike if you're Rob. Pick your spots to sit down and try to chop away at the kicks. Just start to do something to make Jose slow down and then go from there. But um, I'll go first again. Um, I just think the speed on Jose, uh, Jose is not going to make the mistakes Cody Garbrandt did. He's not going to get as predictable. I think that he's going to change it up. I think he's going to use more of his weapons. I think that Rob is going to probably keep up with him well early. But once again, as it gets to the later rounds, I think that that's where it's going to really be tested. And I don't know if Rob's going to be able to get himself out of the hole if he's taking a more patient approach in those early rounds. So I think it's a good fight. I think that Jose is going to have to take some return fire, but I still see him getting the job done. It's just hard for me to pick against a guy who performed as well as he did a couple months ago. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Jose Aldo is like every time he shows up and it's like, oh, damn, did he just do that? Was he just that fast? And uh, I think that he's still got a lot of that in him. So I'm actually going for Jose Aldo, too. I think that's who you were going to pick, right? I is did. That... Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm going to say um, fourth round stoppage. Fourth round. Okay. Uh, I'm going unanimous decision. But, you know, what I'm thinking about as you're talking, I'm picturing Jose Aldo and how fast and like tight and sharp he looks and those body shots that he throws he takes he does really good waist movement kind of like canelo where he like drops down to the side and wha-bam he gets you so i think we're going to see a lot of that too and then uh uh it's going to just over time be too much but not enough to stop him so i like your fourth round pick but i think it's going to be jose aldo by decision all right well looks like we're going to be we're split on bellator come we're unanimous on ufc And Natalie, uh, you know what? It's just a weird thing to think about is that by the time we do our next show, we're only going to have two UFC events left for the year. And, you know, the Pettis Horiguchi event is the last Bellator card of the year. Um, So, yeah, it's like we are winding down. I think after COVID, everything and all that, the fact that there's no PFL championships on New Year's Eve, I think it's just, you know... We made it. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, we made it, and yet there's still a nice little gift for us at the end of the at the end of the month or December at the end of the year. But we did. We made it through. These last two years have been bananas, and uh, you know we'll get into more of that. I think probably when we're closer to New Year's. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the upward trend towards a return to normalcy uh, that's that's how, what i'm looking at and and hoping for us as we get to the end of 2021 
I mean, it's like, what else could be next, right? I mean, gosh almighty. <laughs> I mean, if the meteor didn't hit in 2020, I think we're good, <laughs> you know? Um, let's talk about more positive things. So we will be off this coming week, to the, you know, for Thanksgiving. So guys, enjoy that and everything. But we will be back. So, you know, probably play this episode again. But coming up... We've got the doubleheader. We've got Poirier Oliveira. We've got Amanda versus Juliana. Very good undercard. What are your thoughts as we head into it? Oh, man, dude, that's incredible. Like, it's again, it's one of those where if this was a boxing match, you would be comfortable just paying for the main event, Poirier Oliveira. But we're getting Nunes, Pena, and that's going to be a good one, too, because Pena's tough. Pena's, Pena's big for the division, just like Nunes is. So this isn't going to be something that I... I don't think Nunes is going to just blast through Juliana Pena. Juliana Pena can take a shot, and I think she's going to take some. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it more, obviously, but I'm excited because I think this is going to be... Strangely enough, you know, even though Juliana Pena hasn't fought as much, I think this is going to be more of a challenge the, for Amanda Nunes than she's had in a while. So because of Pena's toughness, but we'll get there. Yeah, I think that... um. When I think about Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira, this is really... The winner here starts talking about real big stardom. I think the winner here start. You have to talk about maybe top three draw in the yeah. UFC. Just um, We know Poirier and he's been around and he's so likable, right? But then for Charles, he just kind of enters that zone where you just look at his resume and you look at the guys ahead of him. I mean... Not to count the chickens before they hatch, but you're talking about a year where we'll probably see guys like, you know, obviously Justin Gaethje, Islam Mahachev, maybe Benil Dariush. All of those guys who've been performing well get into the title picture and have title fights. So, I mean, this is so big because they've already put together such a great win streak to get here. But then, you know, like it said, look at who the winner will be, like what status they'll kind of hold. As they go into 2022 with those fights. It's just... You're just so excited. Not just for the fight. But because we're going to have a really serious player. For what comes after. So I think I'm excited for that. Um, Like we said. uh, Stylistically it's just such a fun fight. So I'm going to really enjoy that. I was looking at the card. We had the return of Sean O'Malley. Uh By the way some mean person. And, you know, they have a sense of humor. If you Wikipedia UFC 269 right now, it says Francis Ngannou versus Sean O'Malley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's fighting uh, Mr. Roley and Paiva. I, I might have butchered that first name. But, yeah, you know, Sean's coming back. Danny Gay, Josh Emmett, Dominic mm-hmm. Cruz, Tai Tuivasa, uh, Miranda Maverick's coming back. It, it's just good stuff top to bottom there. So Cody Garbrandt at 125. Um, it's going to be a good card. We'll get into that on our following show. So once again, we'll be back in two weeks. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the fights and have a good one.